following podcast contains spoilers and words like fuck, fuck, and fuck. We watch it. Hello everybody and welcome back to We Watched A Thing. This week we've got a throwback for you and I let my guest, the wonderful Emily Higgins, choose this film and I could not have been happier because I love this movie. How you doing, Em? And what made you pick being John Malkovich? I, I'm, I, okay. So what I get to do when I come on your show is talk about movies that maybe I couldn't cover on mine because being John Malkovich I feel is pretty critically acclaimed while also being like an indie favorite people like it a lot so i can't i can't reasonably say something is better than it <laughs> it's just because it is so unique yeah and because you and i like share such similar tastes but also you notice things that i don't like about the final girls you notice so many things and i'd seen it like a million times that i didn't even think about this is a perfect movie to be to talk to someone about and see their take on it because it's so strange yeah. I don't know it, yeah. how it got made. Rewatching it, I was like, how was this a film? Did people see this? It's like, <laughs> I genuinely felt that way when I saw the film Spice World. Yeah. And I yep. was like, who was this made for if not for <laughs> me? Like, is anyone else enjoying this? Because yeah. I, it feels like it was just for me. <laughs> and I feel being John Malkovich kind of in a similar category. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk about this film. This is. It's in my list of top 100 films of all time, but I've never, I couldn't do this as a throwback back when Toph was on the show because he'd seen it. And we had a rule that, you know, the throwbacks had to be one that the other person hadn't seen. But so I'm so excited to get into this. I, I bribed him to leave just for that reason. <laughs> so Being John Malkovich is a 1999 American fantasy comedy film is the genres they've got listed here. Directed by Spike Jones and written by Charlie Kaufman, both making their feature film debut. It stars John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, Catherine Keener, and of course, John Malkovich. And here's a tricky one for you, Em. What is it about? Okay. John Cusack is a puppeteer. So weird. He gets a regular job, but the job has a special room that goes into John Malkovich, the actor's head. Yeah. And so he starts charging admission to go live as John Malkovich. And then there's a lot of disputes, territory disputes over who gets co to control the body and mind of, of yeah. John Malkovich. <laughs> Yep, that's uh, that's you covered that really well, actually. Like the <laughs> basics, <laughs> but also it's like that's what it is. But also, none of that actually matters. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so, as I said, I love this film. I'm a giant Charlie Kaufman fan. He is, I think, one of the best writers of the last. 30 years. He's one of the reasons that I love film and writing so much. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is my third favorite film of all time, which I've spoken mm. about on movie reviews and 20 Qs. You're not a fan of that. Uh, I could take oh. it or leave. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I just, I love the inventiveness of this film, you know, like reading about the making of Kaufman's idea originally was just a story about a man who falls in love with someone who's not his wife. Like that was his what? that was his premise for this film. And it you know, it didn't have John Malkovich in it. It didn't you know, and just like it's amazing to me that someone can start with that as an idea. Like a story that has been done so many times and turn it into this one of the most unique films of all time. It really and I mean he just is always topping himself 
but this movie especially is just so it it tackles so many things but it never yeah. feels overly ambitious it doesn't feel like any threads aren't explored in yeah. the way that they should be it doesn't suffer from that and yet it's so all over the place yeah and i i i liked the just starting and seeing the puppeteering and being like oh yeah like anomalisa was so strange and good and this was such a great prelude to that like yeah. the, the, yep. the little nuggets that Charlie has and all of his things are just what a he must be a full maniac if you hang out with him though in <laughs> yeah. real life you know what I mean like no way can you just go get a sandwich with that guy he's definitely a freak yeah two things really struck me on my rewatch last night like like I said I've seen this film a lot of times but I was really struck firstly by how funny this film is I always thought it was weird that Charlie Kaufman films have always like when I worked in a video store because I'm old and they used to be a thing that existed <laughs> Charlie Kaufman films were just put in the comedy category because it's like, where do you put these? You know, like right. they're not, they don't really fit into anything. And I always found that strange. But rewatching it last night, this is a hilarious film. The other thing that really struck me is, like you said, it covers so many different things. I forgot how short it is. Like it's a really quite a tight runtime for how much is covered in this movie and the pace that it moves at. Yeah. Nine times out of 10 now I find myself watching a movie and being like, this could have been 90 minutes. Why is it two hours? Why is it three hours? Why is it whatever? Never during being John Malkovich are you, are you not like on the edge of your seat excited for the next minute? But also when it ends, you don't go, oh no, it's not done. It really yeah. is just such a perfectly contained story. Yeah. Let's, let's talk cast then to start with. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I just, you've probably spoken about it before. Something is telling me that you're a Cameron Diaz fan. Am I right? Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> I saw Annie, the remake where she's Miss Hannigan in theaters. Wait, wait, wait a second. Retiring. Wait a second. She plays Miss Hannigan in Annie? In I didn't know Annie that. In the remake from like 2016 with like is it Jamie Foxx as Daddy Warbucks? Wow. Okay, hang on. Uh, this is another one of those incredible. things. I always say I don't like musicals, and then every time one comes up, I have to admit that I like it. I actually like Annie, so I, I, I need to watch that. Carol remake. Burnett. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Cameron Diaz's version is a modern version, so like the kids in foster care, et cetera, et cetera. She is upset and a drunk because she is a disgraced kicked out member of the band CNC Music Factory right. and she wishes she was a famous <laughs> singer. Okay. You know like what do they say everybody dance now isn't that their song like they had like two songs okay so her apartment is covered in like pictures of herself on in a band yep. and she sings this song that's so auto-tuned and I'm going to send it to you I watch the video constantly and she can't sing and it's incredible <laughs> rose Byrne is is oh my the, god um, love the one rose that daddy Byrne. warbucks falls in love with like his assistant his hardworking oh, assistant who's like okay. annie and you That's really great get along so, annie is quavon janae wallace like is her last name wallace it's and i saw it at 10 a.m by myself <laughs> all families and then me like a murderer and i literally had tracy tom's um, who's like in Rent and 911 and all these things, and she was in the movie for a few scenes. I had her on my show, and I and I told her I saw that movie theaters, and she goes, "Why?" <laughs> Here we are again, I, once again. You coming out with like the strangest stories right off the bat? I don't know. Cameron Diaz. I also today went to a CVS and bought Drew Barrymore's Flower Beauty Charlie's Angels palette. 
Okay, (laughs) that she put out her eyebrow palette that she put out in this the year 2022 with art from Charlie's Angels, the one that they were all in. Like we have come full circle. (laughs) So she's so good in this, and she's fantastic. Mad to watch this and be like, she was talented she could do it all because she yeah. could be the rom-com she could do the action she could do but she could act and in this yeah. movie they drab her down to such an extent she's mm. like the loser that no one's attracted to yeah you well know? And that's the thing like 99 she was one of the hottest women on the planet at this point like not just looks wise like career wise this was she was in some big movies around this time i because charlie's angels i think was the year after this maybe it's like 2001 I think okay. was the first one, then 2003 was Full Throttle. <laughs> I think. know these things. Um, something About Mary, obviously, was around this time as well, which I adore that movie too. She is so good in this film. I forget it every time because, obviously, John Malkovich is amazing. John Cusack is amazing. Catherine Keener is fucking wonderful in this film. But I Cameron Diaz is so great. Cameron to me, that to me was the part that stuck out the most was her storyline of Cameron Diaz going into John Malkovich's body and feeling like more like herself than she's ever felt yep. was absolutely fascinating. And I really, it hadn't like, and they talk about, you know, is she transgender? Is she in a way that I was really surprised they had been talking about? Yeah. And they just addressed it. Not as weird, but just as kind of like, yeah, that's what she feels comfortable with. This yes, is yeah. Where she can kind of be herself and have more confidence and not be like, oh, my monkey Elijah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought her her relationship with Catherine Keener through that medium of John Malkovich was so layered and intriguing. Like that to me, I was like. Get out of here, John Cusack, who, by the way, is one hair away from being Nicolas Cage. Like, <laughs> there, I was, I, it could have been either of them. They both are the exact same, <laughs> especially in a role like this. And I get that he's like the loser and his puppeteering comes into play, whatever. No, the good part of this movie is Catherine Keener and Cameron Diaz and their strange, strange attraction. Yeah, yeah. One thing I love about this movie, and you kind of brought it up just then, is that even though John Cusack's character is the the lead character, I guess, the protagonist to a certain extent, you're never really on his side. He's always a creep. You're always like, yeah. well, this guy sucks. Like, he's a loser and rightly so. Like, when he's hitting on Catherine Keener and and she's like, are you married? And and he makes some, like, really shitty, lame, gross joke. You're like, this guy sucks. <laughs> but the movie's not afraid to have characters like that in the lead. And Catherine Keener, I think, is honestly, for me watching last night, she was MVP. Like, I, I had forgotten just how wonderful not only her, but that character is where she she's ballsy and she's brave. And, you know, she does crap things as well. Like, but she's so empowering, I think. There's just something so awesome there about her. She is she is nasty in the best way. Like, she's- <laughs> Oh, what? Like, she's cruel and she, so, which is why it was so interesting to see her be intrigued by, like, when she goes to John Malkovich and she's told Cameron Diaz, like, meet me there at this time. She gets there and he's like, want to go to bed? And she's like, no, it's, I'm early. She wants to wait for Cameron to be there. And then for that reveal of, like, it means there's two people attracted to me at once. Like, so selfish. 
but she also gets to be so funny. Like when she's sitting on the couch and both Cameron and John Cusack try to kiss her yeah she's just like oh no you i'm not into you i'm only into when you're in john malcolm which is funny it's it's so weird but she pulls it off like it's normal like yeah i'm at this married couple's house both of them are trying to jump (laughs) me but you know look i'll talk to one of you later and another one we're business partners like it just she plays it so cool yeah and that to me is what makes this movie work so well is that it is played at all times as a serious story. Like there's a lot of laughs and the premise on paper sounds ridiculous. Yet when you're sitting there watching it, you never question it. You're like, okay, yeah, this is really, this is really happening. Like there's so much thematically going on, but you never, I certainly never sit there going, well, this is just an allegory. Like it's a fantasy film. It's, it just, it sucks you in and you're like, this is real life. Everything about it feels so real, regardless of how, crazy it is even just the setup of the the receptionist who doesn't understand what i'm saying that is fucking hilarious such a strange thing that was very funny and then like watching that psa video of why the floor is only half a floor tall and some little person is like there's not a space in the world for me and you're like what does any of this have to do with john malkovich and the john malkovich of it all why him you know like was he that famous it was so they had the running gag of of people thinking he was a what a drug dealer or a, a cop jewel or something. thief a jewel thief yeah, yeah in a movie he's never in and then that very sincere i mean a lot of slurs in this movie yeah but the very sincere scene of someone being like you know you played a mentally disabled person my son and just continues like harping on it and john malkovich takes it very much to heart like very earnestly appreciates that compliment yeah is such an odd element that just further contextualizes him it's all it's all every piece individually you look at and you go this is insane and doesn't make sense but you're watching you're like yeah of course yeah yeah i know it's funny so when um when Kaufman originally pitched it, the studio asked the same thing. They said, why John Malkovich? They wanted it to be being Tom Cruise was their oh. actual note, which is a completely different movie. Like, it's it can't be played the same way, I think. And it just thematically, everything would have just dropped off. But yeah. this movie makes me respect John Malkovich so much for being like, like, it's a ballsy move and then in an interview he said at first he was really cautious because he was like well either the movie is a piece of shit and my name is not only like attached to it as an actor but it's like the title of the film or the film is really highly regarded and i'm forever associated with this weird bizarre version of me and it's like right. wow that i never thought about what a brave move that was for him to do this film and maybe with anyone else it would have gone even even as a good film in the direction of of kind of being associated with him but i think because charlie kaufman creates such a separate reality yeah you can so easily disconnect whoever john malkovich is who i know nothing about the actor but also have no preconceived notions about him watching him and things except being like that guy's voice is unsettling yeah yeah like nothing about this film colors my perception of him whatsoever because it is such its own separate thing yeah and i think to a certain extent that answers the question right there that's why john malkovich i think he's perfect because he he was a star you know like con air which he plays a lead in was only 2 years before this but right. he's never been a celebrity like you said you don't know anything about 
him, like even though he's he's a known actor, he's not he's not anybody. And that's why I love just the random snippets in this film of how boring his life is. When someone goes into his head and he's there like, you know, ordering towels out of a catalogue and he's like, I don't really need four though, so could you replace the three with hand towels? Like it's just, it's, it's just fucking genius. <laughs> yeah, you know what? The weirdest part was maybe was it Sean Penn? When Sean Penn is co- commenting on his career, this made-up career and, like, what he wants. That was maybe, like, for me, the weirdest piece of the film. I was like, get out of here. We're <laughs> yeah. all doing our own thing. We don't need you, Sean Penn. <laughs> One of the things I love the most about this film is just how much it packs in thematically and how many different things it's commenting on and satirizing. Like, when the film starts- it almost feels like it's going to be more of a corporate satire. You know, this this puppeteer who's who's an artist getting this job and, you know, the comments on, you know, the size of the floor and your brain instantly goes to cost-cutting businesses. And uh, there's something so clever about how it weaves all of these different things in. And then, as you said, the, the comment on transgenderism with Cameron Diaz's character and- but. It never feels disjointed. This film has an incredible flow and pacing to it where you never go, oh, hey, what happened to that other thing that was commented on? Now Now the film is about this when it felt like it was about that. It, that never happens. It just flows. And it's incredible that it can make these statements on so many different things. <laughs> the, the fact that kind of each question has an answer and every piece is backed up, like – like in that that half floor thing really could have just been a joke about cost cutting, which they make, but they also give it this very weird, like real reason of <laughs> wanting to help little people yeah. as being like, well, that's the reason. But hey, we'll say it's cost cutting, you know, yeah. it, just that each piece kind of has like, oh, here's the justification. Yeah. Just brush by like not not presented super flashy, but just like, yeah, of course. That's right. You know, or even just Cameron Diaz, all those animals, the movie starts, you're like, oh, it's, they're a weird couple. She has 18 <laughs> exotic animals <laughs> yeah. in their home. And then that kind of really isn't even a part of it. Like, that's right. She's yeah. a monkey in her house, like a chimp. And that's not, it doesn't matter, but you're also not like, oh, how ridiculous a chimp. It's like, well, yeah, she is a chimp, but she's busy now, I guess. Yeah, well, and like that's never even really explained. Like, I don't know, part of you just assumes that maybe she's an animal activist or something, but well, for all we she, know, she, she actually- does work. She works at like a clinic, I think, or a vet's office, and it's like chimps wouldn't be coming in there. So it really. Yeah. yeah. She loves animals, but it's not part of it, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. And everything is so layered. Like, even, you know, the comment on the size of the floor, which then transitions into, like you say, it could just be explained as this story about you know, a little person needing somewhere to work. Then you get another layer with Catherine Keener's character telling him that that story is bullshit. And it's like, well, that's showing us her cynicism towards everything. And it's just, it's just everything has a purpose so laid out so well. Yeah. And it's all so strange that it really is. You think about movies that are made today and you're like, how, how, how did- 10 different people or whatever studio people all read this and go, yes. It just it yeah. feels crazy that it got to that point, yep. even though obviously it is brilliant. And it's like I own the the Criterion edition and, you know, it's it's a fantastic film. But how did it get made? Yeah, <laughs> so. that's – yeah. I think at least part of that has to be due to Spike Jones. 
um, who his feature right. film debut as well. And I, the direction of this film is incredible, and I can't see it being done really by anyone else apart from maybe Michelle Gondry, who's worked with mm-hmm. Kaufman as well. But you know, Spike Jones then went on to do adaptation with Kaufman as well, which is in some ways an even weirder movie if possible. I don't know. It's that one's really hard to explain, but I just think the direction of this film is incredible. Like I I don't think the look in certain segments holds up as well as I thought. Like it the way the POV of Malkovich is done is really interesting how it's almost seen through goggles. It's funny. It gives it yeah. kind of a dated look, but at the same time I don't know what would it look like if you're inside someone's head. Like apart from apart from Cusack's puppeteer character, no one is able to control Malkovich. So it is almost like this viewing experience. So I kind of understand the use of the kind of goggle effect, but it's I, I don't I just I don't know. I, I don't love it. It's uh, yeah, I get it because it's like that thing of you can see your nose right now, but you don't because your brain has learned like you don't need to yeah. learn. So I wonder if you were in there for long enough, it's kind of like you would learn to kind of not oh, no. have all that kind now, of that's aura around it. <laughs> but I did think that some scenes were incredibly dark and I couldn't tell it was happening like Game of Thrones style. And I don't know if that's because I was watching it not on a good TV. <laughs> it was like, I don't know what's happening right now. And wait, the one dated thing was that guy being like, I'm so unhappy. I'm so fat. And he was like the thinnest man I've ever seen in America. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. It's the same. We've been rewatching Friends again, as we always do. And the constant fat jokes about Monica. And then when you see her in flashbacks and you're like, yeah, you're a pretty just- normal looking person. <laughs> like, you're not gigantic here. <laughs> Yeah, that guy, that guy being like, well, can I be anyone? Okay, well, Jack uh, John, John Malkovich is my second, second choice. That's choice. pretty good. I just, I'm just so fat. And you're like, he looked so regular. <laughs> it was just, but, it, but it, I think because he creates a separate world, it doesn't feel super dated because it does exist kind of in a separate timeline. Yeah. Would you pay the $200? Not for John Malkovich. <laughs> For Cameron Diaz. Yeah. But it is – I actually don't know because I, it, it's a service that they sell in this movie as being so interesting and the film itself is so interesting. I don't know that I would be that interested in in seeing and not controlling, in just watching. Although it was kind of like 50-50 on how much feeling comes through. You know, like Cameron yeah. Diaz, I was like, is she really feeling it? Because this is truly, she feels so alive in here. And so she really is like in tune with it. Is everyone else just kind of going in and watching the way you watch a movie? Yeah. It was was kind of the vibe I got, which I don't need to see John Malkovich order towels. Like, what if you go in, <laughs> what if you go in and it's someone that you really buy her and it's like they're on the toilet you know i don't want <laughs> well that's the thing you don't get to you don't get to pick what he's doing in those right. 15 minutes that would be bizarre <laughs> yeah and then i gotta be then i land at some turnpike i gotta get home yeah it feels inconvenient and I would they're, need very, them to like they're really- very mucky when they land on the turnpike too like they're they're, they're yeah. kind of gooey <laughs> it's not it's not good and i think also this movie could have so easily just been about how horrifying it must have been for John Malkovich when 
John Cusack started controlling him, but it really it wasn't about that. It touched on that, yeah, and it was uh, upsetting for him clearly. But it really moved on from that, and that's also interesting because that kind of would have been the easy the easy film would have been the struggle between the puppeteer and the puppet, and it wasn't that at all. That was like yeah. a, a bridge to get to something else. To to John Cusack still never really getting what he wants. Yeah, that's the thing. To yeah, I agree. I think what's so great is that there's so many different directions this film could have gone in and at any point this movie could have stopped doing things like this movie could have been about Cameron Diaz's internal struggle of you know not knowing what body she fits in like that that's a movie right there on its own and to me the central theme what really carries across all the stories is about infatuation and obsession and you know the fact that the final shot of the film is John Cusack living inside their daughter just so that he can watch her like it's it's obsessive and it's creepy but there's something so human and real about that because I think we've all been in love with someone who doesn't love you back and yeah Cameron Diaz yeah (laughs) I don't know I just to me that's that's kind of the heart of this movie and what it really becomes and what it's about is just obsession and i just think it's so well constructed and that's even what makes katherine keener's performance so brilliant that her very like kind of lack of emotion lack of response to things these people are so obsessed with her and she's just very she brushes out, oh this married guy who just started at my job will not leave me alone all right whatever oh this i just the scene when she's at their apartment and he's like i'll show you my puppets and cameron's like i'll show you my chimp alive <laughs> yeah. like Ah, no. Instead of being like, ew, oh my God, what is happening here? There's just such a, she's just, there's so much emotion coming at her and she's this central catalyst of just kind of nothing. Yeah. Like she doesn't have that. She likes, I think, making money and doing the business and she sees opportunity. Yeah. But she doesn't have that kind of longing. I mean, for Cameron a little bit, but not to... Kind of, I think, more the experience of of controlling multiple people. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, what a weird movie. <laughs> so, how how are you scoring this movie then? I'm I'm assuming that like- you like it. <laughs> I do. And I'm thinking, I, I always like, I change up my scores. I was getting so mad looking at my letterbox the other day. Like, I ranked this, this, like in the <laughs> past. But I mean, I have a hard time giving something a 10 because it's a 10 is like what? Like the most incredible movie. Being Troy Malkovich actually isn't one I had thought about in a while. But the minute that I was like, what are what are good movies I like? <laughs> uh, a, a nine. Absolutely. Like it just, I think it's something that if you only have 100 movies or whatever that you can watch for the rest of your life. It there's nothing else like it. Yeah, and you have to see it at least once, and and nothing can compare to it. Nothing is better than it at what whatever it's doing. Yeah, yeah. So, so I really, I mean, it's just, and I don't care. I don't care about John Cusack. I don't care about Catherine Keener usually. I really only watched it the first time I watched it. Probably in the last five years, I watched it for the first time because right. Cameron Diaz is in it. Yeah, wow. I was like. All right, I'll watch it. Diaz is in it. And I was like, what is this hair? What is happening? But it I, I was not even a particular fan of Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Uh, but it's just so oh, I, I can't imagine someone seeing this and saying, I don't like that movie. Same. Even if it's not for you, even if it's not something you would watch again. Yeah. There's such artistry in it that you have yeah. to like 
it's just a perfect example of why people should make art. I, I, I agree. I, and I just think it's so gripping. Like you said it so well right at the start when you said you're always waiting to see what happens in the next minute. Like, I just think that is so true. Like, you don't think of this as an edge of your seat kind of film, but the pace that it moves at and the things that it has to say, and as you say, the artistry of it, I can't imagine anybody saying that's a bad film. Even if you don't like it, I understand people not liking it, but I, it's for me, it's a 10 out of 10. I think this is one of the greatest films ever made and i think it's virtually flawless <laughs> I, I what's interesting when you talk about the pace is like i think back and i'm like oh i think that i thought i think i remembered it as being like a little bit slow but it's not yeah. at all when you're and i think it's easy to think back and kind of just think of the longer weirder shots but when yeah. you're in it it doesn't feel like that. And I think that might be kind of a Charlie Kaufman, like an, an issue with why he isn't more mainstream as you think of his, these films as like very whimsical and kind of airy. It's like, no, but when you're in it, like you're experiencing exactly what he wants you to experience. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Oh man. Well, thank you so much for joining me and for bringing this film with you because I, I love it. And yet I wouldn't have thought to have done an episode on it. So this was so much fun just re-watching it and talking about it with you. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad that we got to do this one. I now and this was such a perfect oh, I'm so glad I got to talk to you about this. Like I literally <laughs> said to my parents the other day, I was like, guys, have you seen Bean Joe Malkovich after I rewatched it? And they were just both like, Yeah. I was like, does nobody <laughs> want to talk about it? I'm glad that I saved it up to talk to you because this is a film that it just feels good to get out all these feelings. Yeah. Definitely. I, I know that I've I've got you to, to tell everyone multiple times, but once again, can you tell people where they can find you and Tasteless and just how awesome it is? Yeah, Tasteless is wherever you get podcasts. It's another it's another movie podcast. Don't phrase it like that. It's not But not it's only not is another. it another movie podcast, it kind of like asks that you have watched that you've seen two different films, two wildly different films That's, to yeah. understand what is being talked about, which is like a heavy a heavy lift because most people who like whatever movie i like or whatever movie i don't like do not like what i like so i compare two <laughs> movies uh critically acclaimed one versus one that i think does those themes better usually one that people don't like so you know like if you're talking about a tale of of wilderness survival the revenant is fine true beverly hills is better <laughs> And again, I stand by all my thoughts and opinions. <laughs> but one thing that's so great about your show, and I, I know every time I talk about how great your show is, but honestly, like, it's just, it's wonderful, it's nice. is that, like, I, I disagree. I don't think you need to have seen both movies, actually. Like, one of my favorite episodes of yours was about grief and you were comparing Hereditary and it was one of those Snow White movies. I think, was it the second oh, Huntsman movie? The Huntsman Winter's War. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the way that- When you get into actually, like, comparing the themes of the film, which is really what your show is about, it's not just about this movie's better, it's about what does the movie do better. I just think it's so fascinating listening to you talk and, like, your take on- Because, like, you like Hereditary. Like, you're not saying it's a bad movie. You talk about what is good about it. But I don't know, man. It's just a really interesting concept for a show. (laughs) It does feel like the modern non-inventor version of I- Sometimes a pairing will come to me and I'll be like, this is what 
this is what Einstein felt like. This is a yeah, this is it. This is happening. I'm so a genius. It's, it's, yeah, honestly, occasionally I'm like, this is the one. <laughs> so, you know, it feels good. It's 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 fun to do. And I uh I just keep watching. Just keep watching awful movies hoping that I'll love one. And mostly I do not. So it's nice to watch truly a classic film (laughs) but thank you again for joining me and i will definitely have you back on the show anytime so we'll we'll line something up again soon on monday i will finally be checking out the batman with our good friend sam from movie reviews and 20 cues and next week i'm actually not too sure what's gonna happen yet originally i had uh the new downton abbey film on the (laughs) schedule but that has been postponed it looks like (laughs) I've never seen any of it, but oh I, God, I, you have I to like watch the vibes. <laughs> it's so great. It's like a like a period piece soap opera. Like it's just amazing. <laughs> well, I know there was maybe a car crash, even though I don't know if there are cars in this universe. Yeah, yeah, yet. yeah. There was there was a car okay. crash. That was that was devastating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I don't know. I might drag news to Operation Fortune because we all know I love some Carrie Elwes, or maybe we'll get to a throwback. Who knows? Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and I'll catch you next week. Oh.